0: You want fat fish? I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you wanna
1: try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher
0: today's episode is brought to you by warby parker an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price
1: simply put your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iphone x
0: warby parker's prescription glasses start at 95 dollars,
1: and they do sunglasses too
0: buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl.
1: Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home.
0: You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way
1: you can try all the frames and pick your favorite.
0: And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need.
1: Daniel wears Warby Parker and now he can actually see me.
0: And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki again that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki
1: warby parker modern eyewear made simple thanks a lot
0: this is grizzly kiki
1: i'm robert and i'm daniel we're back again <laughs> happy friday yes it's the end of the week i'm very excited Hmm. why are you excited about the end of the week
0: um because it's two more days before i have to go back to work Oh,
1: mm-hmm. I think you're excited for Father's Day.
0: Oh, yeah, there's that too.
1: Spend time with your daddy. <laughs> I have to admit, I did that to make you uncomfortable, and I'm glad that it worked.
0: It's not that. It's not. I just, I pictured my dad as a daddy. and it just. What does your dad look like when he's a daddy? Dave, as a dad, I couldn't. That's just it. I couldn't. I couldn't picture it. You just said picture you it. pictured your dad as a daddy, and it didn't happen. <clears throat> like, I feel like instead of having his, like, little like um newspaper boy hat Uh he'd like put on a fedora
1: doesn't your dad normally wear a fedora like when it's fancy when it's fancy time
0: i don't think so okay i don't know hmm. i think he's trying to become like a puerto rican samuel jackson with all those (laughs) little hats i see that but he kind of looks like david the gnome (laughs) so wow he does wow. and he knows this because in the summer he would wear these like palazzo pant shorts with tube socks up to the knees and these like i mean it hasn't really changed let's be honest it's like brown clog sneakers as mm-hmm. we used to call them and he looked like david the gnome because wow. like the, the the socks connected with the shorts wow like, so they know, were like they, they were you know like uh what are they called clam diggers clam diggers isn't that what they're called the pants capris capris yeah. i mean the the shorts were at the knee uh-huh but the socks were at the knee too so it looked uh, like you know when 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 the guys go like play basketball and they wear like the um like oh, the tights under their when they wear like uh um, like compression leggings or yes. whatever you what call them what are those, those called long johns long johns or like bicycle yeah, pants, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what my dad looked like. Um, and he was really like he was really big at the time. Uh-huh. At one point, so he was very round, uh huh, like a Russian nesting doll.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. He knows this though. That's the like it's always just been quite present. Hmm. Um. Um. Yeah. um <laughs> what's new with me?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Um. I really don't care. <laughs> Uh, we had a really good time doing our crossover with, uh, with Vicky and Ari from the Shade Parade.
0: Oh, my God. That was so
1: much fun. That was a good time. Be sure to check that out. Um, yeah. And then um, what else happened? Nothing.
0: Oh, I mean, we had a, we had a bottle of wine and lots of shade. Oh, I meant after that. Oh, cause that was like the highlight of my week. So, uh-huh. and it hasn't, I mean, not, you know, been, since then we've just been going to work and coming home. So it hasn't really been, um, Oh, I got my life's a drag palette. Which is, I forgot about that. I haven't used it yet, but it's Mm -hmm. stunning. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't heard about it, you're living under a rock. Um, So, Manny MUA, who's this very famous, um, I guess, internet famous. He's a uh, YouTube makeup artist. He's a YouTube makeup artist who started doing uh, makeup by getting in drag and then, you know, realized that he loved makeup. So he Mm -hmm. then started doing it himself out of drag and so on and so forth and so he um in order to like honor the fact that he started out playing with makeup in drag he created a palette inspired by drag queens and used shea coulée and pheromone as the spokesmodels for the palette and Mm -hmm. um not as if we need any more makeup that we're not using in this apartment. But I thought, you know what? I want to support this, like, queer-owned business um by a person of color. Because he's Hispanic. And also, you know, two other queens that we love. Mm-hmm. Um And it does not disappoint. It comes in this beautiful packaging. Um, The colors are so pigmented. All you need to do is, like touch a square and your finger comes back completely like saturated in color mm-hmm. um so i'm very excited to try that out and i received um my first boxy charm box mm-hmm. um so which i i just kind of saw on instagram so a boxy charm it's um it's a monthly subscription box, <laughs> subscription box and yes. um so june June's box was called Caribbean queen and it's only $21 a month and you get four to five full size products, which I was like $21. Let me try this out. Right. Just to see. Right. And so this month it came with three full size makeup brushes. Um, this beautiful um, Cuban inspired eyeshadow palette by Alamar cosmetics, which is again, a, um, uh, uh, Female person of color owned makeup brand, mm-hmm. um, bum bum cream, and I think eyeliner. I saw I think. the someone
1: posted, or the the cosmetics company posted a picture mm. of someone who made who uh who drew um their cat eye using the colors. Like, using, using an ombre mm-hmm. effect from the colors from yeah. that palette. So, I'm excited to try it.
0: Well, what I think is really cool about the palette, in particular... Actually, can you pass me the box? Sure. Um, sorry. And this is not sponsored. I'm just thinking about exciting things that happened this week. And I love receiving packages in the mail. Mm-hmm. We should do unboxing videos. Okay. Actually. Um, so, it's this cute little palette. Was Reina del Caribe Volume 1. And what I like, Volume 1? Yeah, is that, um the the colors have little symbols next to them Mm -hmm. so if it has a water drop that means that you can use it wet Hmm. and and if it if it has a sun that means it can only be used dry which is actually really really helpful because sometimes you think you can just wet your brush and use any pigment wet Hmm. but then it just fucks it up so i really um i like that a lot actually
1: i've never wet my brush before Mm -hmm. using eyeliner I mean not eyeliner, uh, eyeshadow. Yeah.
0: I used to do it way back when cuz it just like intensified things, mm-hmm. but that's before I learned about eyeshadow basically.
1: I know Jiggly does that when she does her eyebrows, yeah. but I I've never I've I've done it on occasion with um like when I'm practicing my makeup and I don't want to use actual eyeliner, I'll use an eyeshadow mm-hmm. instead and just like spray um like a a black eyeshadow and yeah. you use that as eyeliner instead of because then you can just wash it right off you don't have to like scrub yeah. um, that uh, liquid lipstick that it came with oh my, that came in this box I feel
0: like we're doing an ASMR video like you can't hear it at all but um, um, it smells take my word so... for it he's it opening like and closing Chocolate it. caramel. it does smell really good and it's by Ofra Cosmetics and all their stuff it's like uh, cruelty free um, it also came with these dainty little
1: Oh my god! These little like these whispers little of an eyelash, by, yeah, by
0: bat, batting, Battington lashes, and they're all they're hundred percent silk. I mean, I think they're just going to go to Jiggly because they are—they absolutely are tiny lady lashes. They're not meant for our um,
1: manly faces.
0: Yeah, there you go. Look That's at that. exciting. A free plug.
1: I um, um I wish that we did more uh, more subscription services, but um I can just live vicariously through you. Also, this bum products. bum
0: cream. Smells so good. Hmm. I just want to put it all over the place. Hmm. Um, But it's supposed to make your ass really like tight and firm. And really, yeah, it's supposed to um, tighten and smooth your butt. That's what's called bum bum cream because it's Brazilian, right? I got that. But apparently, you can use it all over the place. Um, I just like a cult product. I thought it was
1: odd that it came with what it came with. So um, what
0: the whole? Because
1: when I think of cream for your butt, I think of like stuff for guys. Oh, because you're like thinking that,
0: of what's that, like, scrub that, for your ass?
1: Yeah, the um, sit on his face with confidence, that one. Um
0: See, and that's misleading. <laughs> I forget what, is it called, it's like, um... Who
1: cares what it's called?
0: It's I just think it's like, weird, because it's not like scrubbing your asshole. No. It's scrubbing your butt cheeks. And where you want to have confidence is, you know, right at the target. Yeah, But, yeah. I don't know.
1: We got episode two of Claw. Of
0: <laughs> of Pose
1: this week. Why did I say Claws? Because it's right underneath it. Um, we got episode two of Pose this week and it was great.
0: Did not disappoint.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited, especially now that Jiggly has announced that she is going to be on it at some oh. point in the future. And um, yeah, just more like cool shit for her to do. I know. I'm I'm just, I'm very excited to see her join this cast of women. Um, I think that um, I don't know. I think that like TV is where she's going to be in the future.
0: I also, I love that photo that she posted of her and the other girls that are in it because the, yeah. some of the girls were from our house or my house, my house, my house, um, yeah. which is a it was just Tati. Tati was, oh, was it in just that Tati? Photo. Yeah. But anyway, if you haven't seen my house also, it's incredible. It's on Viceland and it's, um, about, uh, Kiki culture. Yeah. Um,
1: the ballroom scene or the Kiki scene as
0: they call yeah. it in New York city. Um, I pose is just, it's so beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. And also, the overacting is so wonderful. Like, it's downright Shakespearean. I wouldn't call it overacting, but I would say there's definitely a Shakespearean element to it's it. It's so affected. I, I, it's just, what was it? Um, a nine, because your dress looks like coffin lining. Like, oh. that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, I
1: love the, so... where uh, the only house I care about is the International House of Pancakes, where we'll raise a fork to your uh, to your demise and enjoy like a rooty-tooty t- fresh and fruity t- t- or something fresh
0: and, and she like and then blanca <laughs> walks out with her trophy and all her feathers it's just it's so um it's just good it's solid it's really fucking um, good yeah. And and again, the exposure is so important, right now. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go ahead, hurry up.
1: And also, claws is back, <sighs> which I will be honest, I wasn't super excited to start watching season two of you. not I? I am, of course, excited to watch it in general. I was fine with maybe waiting a couple weeks and mm-hmm. binging whatever we'd missed so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but this first episode was really fucking good.
0: Like. It left me like the first 10, it, it, it did to me what the first 10 minutes of Drag Race always do, where I'm like, okay, after commercial, we're coming right back. Yeah. And after the episode was done, I was like, oh, there's no more.
1: Doesn't do that anymore. Does it?
0: Well, what what it used to the first 10 minutes. Yeah. The same. But it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so damn good. Yeah. I, like, I really don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like girls on Facebook who are like just getting wise to clause and more than one has binged the whole thing in one day and been like, where have I been? Like, I think that that's how a lot of these shows go is that they, they
1: do really well, but then there are all these people who were resisting watching it for one reason or another. And mm-hmm. then as the next season, as it gets closer to the next season premiering, they binge watch it so that they can keep up. Yeah. Um, I made you watch a terrible horror movie recently. Oh my god. Oh wait, before we move away from Claws, I loved the addition of Franca Potente from um Run Lola Run. She plays the sister of the um like the drug. <sighs> Riva? Riva was her name, I guess. Riva's sister, yeah. She's badass. She is badass. Um Riva's her sister's name.
0: I yeah, don't that, remember yeah. her name. Uh her. Badass. We will call her Julia.
1: Yeah. Or probably Yulia would be more I love how she
0: came in and was like, this is not going to be woman-centric business. Like, mm-hmm. but she's psychotic. Yeah. Like, but I like it because it's like fresh and fun. And her sister was staid and annoying. Yeah. You know? It was definitely a cute shake-up mm-hmm. to have her there. Um, and Polly was just, when they were like, think of things that are real white, real white, mm-hmm. like a garden party with yeah. a Gore Vidal yeah. and canapes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so good.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's really fun. Um, wh- I made you watch a terrible horror movie. Yes, because you did. I r- I thought about it randomly. I think I was. Um, oh, I'll tell you how I got there. There was. <laughs> So there was a song that was played on an episode of Queers Folk when Brian and Justin are fucking. And I became obsessed with that song because I became obsessed with that scene. The I mean, song, I know the scene you're talking about. The song is called Filthy Mind by Amanda Ghost. And I was randomly thinking about it the other day. And I realized that Filthy Mind is a song from the Valentine soundtrack, which is a movie from what was it, two thousand one or something? Um, it was one of those horrible slasher movies that was trying to capitalize on the on the fame of um, or on the success of Scream. I mean, it practically
0: uh, had the same soundtrack. Yes, like... yes.
1: No, really. If you look at the soundtrack for, I think if you compare the soundtrack to Scream three and Valentine, they're identical. Oh, I don't mean the songs. No, I, I mean the tone. Yeah. Oh, the okay. tone the of score. all the music.
0: Right? The score. Oh. Is that what you
1: call it? No, I meant the soundtrack.
0: You're talking about something. I'm talking different. about like the, I mean, it's funny because we just watched these, like all these trailers for home with, you know, like, that's not nope, it. Not at all. Uh, I was but, trying to do the Halloween soundtrack.
1: Yes. Score. But, um, no, I'm talking about the soundtrack, like the music oh. inspired by the whole thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's how I got to that. And then I remembered and I remembered it better than I than it actually is in the movie. Um, there's a scene where um where the killer like traps someone in a hot tub. And I remember it that they trap them in the hot tub and then turn the heat all the way up and like boil them to death because there's a scene at the beginning of the movie that says I'd rather be boiled to death and dance with the person who becomes the killer um but that's not what happens and it was a lot less interesting in the movie than that's i remember it. that it scared, scared you
0: me. yeah because he um he took this huge ass drill with a bit attached to it that was oh, like a foot long that was and was like up. drilling because i i've also never seen a hot tub that like has a a like a clear acrylic like foldy cover
1: Oh, well, then you weren't, you weren't rich in the nineties. I you? wasn't.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm still not. Um, if somebody wants to help me know what that feels like, I would take a year of being rich and then that's all I need. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was, um, it was just so fucked up. Like he locked it, screwed, <laughs> screwed around with her, like going through, right? Yeah. Like, like drilling through this thing, got her in the shoulder um all that was missing would be like a baby shark to like come get her while she's in the in the hot tub yeah you know and then he opens it and just electrocutes her yeah like that movie was really scary it's just the acting was atrocious oh yeah like it was so bad but it didn't deter me from enjoying the movie because like i don't know It it definitely distracted me I mean, all of the characters were very much like, hmm, like, hmm, hmm. It was already with like a huffy attitude. Yeah. um, There
1: was a lot of huffiness too, to the movie. It was just
0: really like, I feel like had it been better, it would have been really good. Mm. And also it's the best acting that Katherine Heigl has ever done. Wow. Well, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, well. Or rather that she was the best actor in the whole movie and dies like in the first five minutes. Yeah. But
1: spoiler alert. Um, and I also finished reading I was reading um Francesca Ramsey's book while well, that Escal- well, that escalated quickly. I think there's also a subtitle that's like um it's the a memoir
0: of an accidental activist. activist yeah yeah,
1: um really great read um, and I learned a lot from it, like I learned a lot about um why certain things are um why certain words are off limits for white people and, um, and all this. Well, I mean, not off limits for white people, but you know, she taught, she goes into detail about how that's not like the words are off limits, but you're not, um, what's it called? You're not immune to like other people's reactions. Essentially, Mm -hmm. you can say whatever you want, but people will, you know, will react accordingly. Um, So uh, there was just, there was a lot to learn from her book. Mm -hmm. I also just really enjoy, like the i i read it in her voice so i enjoyed like listening to her voice Mm. reading the book in my head so that's a really cute book you should pick it up um and then we have a cute little story we do you. so
0: i i thought this story was super cute um mainly because it involves ironing which is one of my favorite things to do um But uh, I found this story randomly yesterday, and it was um, a story about this grandmother who was ironing her granddaughter's bi-Pride flag before she was leaving to go to DC Pride Mm -hmm. because she couldn't walk out the door with a wrinkled bi-Pride flag. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that that's adorable. So... The the woman was getting ready to leave and um, she walked in on her grandmother, like hunched over the ironing board, lovingly ironing her flag. Because when her um, her grandmother saw it um, in her room, she's like, oh, this needs to be pressed out and like took it and just started pressing away. Mm. And then she followed it up with a series of tweets where, you know, she was talking about how she was afraid to come out to her grandmother. And when she finally did, her grandmother said, oh, that's fine. Because her grandmother was, you know, like every, you should just love everybody. Hmm. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone viral. It has, um, over 32,000 retweets and 240,000 likes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's amazing. It's just a nice way, I think, to kick off or to continue, you know, celebrating pride season. Because I feel like the, you know, the, like the bisexual community often gets, um, forgotten or 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 kind of um made fun of i think by people you know we're like oh they're greedy and it's like it's just as valid as any other you know sexual orientation or or however you know and um i totally didn't take it for that at all oh i just i just you know because it's the bi pride flag i just think that that bears noting of course like so i just think it it just is like uh If her grandmother was accepting of her, then we should just be accepting of everybody under the umbrella in the community. Well, that goes without saying.
1: I just thought it was cute that her grandmother was like, oh, you think you're leaving the house with this wrinkled flag? Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. Yeah. Because how many wrinkled flags have you seen at Pride?
0: Oh, I mean, (laughs) uh, yeah. Like, I'm sure that you're not thinking about how, you know, like, wrinkled your flag is because, like, you're just going to go celebrate. Yeah. But, you know. This girl went and celebrated in style with a pressed flag. That's right. Because her grandmother was pressed about it. Mm. Well, there you go. Uh, We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we
1: are going to continue with our Pride series. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. We're back, and as part of Pride Month, which is the entire month of June, we decided we're going to share some of our experiences, and this week we're going to talk about coming out, Mm. which I will be honest with you, coming out, talking about coming out is a taxing experience for me. I don't know if you have the same experience with telling that story for yourself.
0: I don't think, for me, it's not, I wouldn't say it's taxing. But I look back at it and I'm kind of embarrassed by the way I did it. Oh, I guess by the way I came out to my like family or rather my dad, because, you know, specifically.
1: So you're embarrassed by the way you did it or
0: you're embarrassed by the fact that you waited? It's a little bit of both. I feel like I wasted. I mean, do you want me to just jump right in? Oh, if you... Because I didn't... I mean, I guess if you want to. I didn't know how... Anyway, basically, it's, it's that I I feel like I was... Well, but hmm. wait, because we're not going to talk about that just
1: yet. We're going to go in order.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, I forgot about that. So, so start
1: with realizing... So, coming out to yourself. Okay. Start so there.
0: coming out to myself was like a multi-year process, as I'm sure it is for like a lot of people. Right. And I think it was around the time that I was like 12 or 13... Because I'm trying to think, yes, I think that's when we got our first computer and I just like was Googling things, uh-huh. you know, I found porn and there was this uh-huh. one site that was, um, what was the site name? It. I, you know, I can't remember, but I just remember it took forever to load and it was just like a gallery of images. It wasn't, you know, this is over 20 years ago. So like, I remember mine. So, you know, keep going. Um, it was like soapy boys, soapy twinks. It was like... Wow, you were really into cleanliness. Naked men in the sh- I just thought it looked beautiful. And it was like the first thing that I found. And it was easy. Okay. Right? And then, of course, my parents found the search history. And I was like, oh, I don't know how that happened. And, of course, it was a non-issue. Um, but it started years before that where I believe if i think about it very clearly now, is i i developed a crush on a boy in second or third grade who I had to work with on a project mm-hmm. work on a project with and i just remember he was really handsome he was very pale had dark hair and um i think he had green eyes if i'm not missing i just thought he was very um nice looking i didn't understand you know a, like being attractive or whatever yeah and i just remember like when we would sit together and work on the project i just remember i remember remembering that he smelled really good like um like shampoo or like a uh, like some sort of vo5 conditioner and i would just really enjoy that hmm. and so but you know and then that kind of continued because i would just be attracted to very like f- like fresh faced i guess very like um um it was white boys that was the weird thing because hmm. that wasn't what and you know I mean, I'm married to a white boy, but mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> I'm not very specific. Um, mm. But yeah, so so you know all that, and I, I didn't know what it was, and mm-hmm. I knew my my mom explained to us, like I've said before on the podcast several times, like from a super early age that you know what gay was, and and what even bisexual was, all of that stuff. So, but I didn't connect that with myself, oddly enough. Right. Um. We were also never taught that it was a bad thing, so I don't know why I kind of. Kept it to myself for so long, if Mm -hmm. I knew there wasn't an issue. Anyway, 13 years old, I'm like, okay, this is what it is. And I remember feeling upset and taxed by it because I wanted to be like normal or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. just because I didn't want to make things different. In my family. Like, mm. I didn't think that anybody would be upset with me. But, you know, my, my parents had some rocky moments. And, you know, even up until my mom passed away, it was a little rough. But um, uh, they just were not getting along for a long time. Right. And I just kind of kept it to myself. Or, <laughs> or thought I was. And um, just didn't come out. Because I was like, oh, this is going to make things different. And we already have so many things to deal with. So I just didn't. You right. know? So... So oh, am I going through the whole that's thing when that's when you came out to yourself? That's when I came out to myself. Yes.
1: Um, well, I remember I have a similar thing where there was this kid who I think I was in the first grade and he was in kindergarten. And I just remember being like, wow, you're really cute. You have like a really cute face. Like I didn't understand why, but I was like, you're just like really adorable. And I would tell him like a lot. And I could tell that it made him uncomfortable, but I kind of didn't care because I didn't know what to do with these emotions. Um, And that was the last time I think I remember expressing feelings like that. Not because, like, no one told me it was wrong to say those things. No one even pulled me aside. Nothing came of that instance. I just remember feeling, like, a general sense of discomfort in the air from this kid who grew up to be a total homophobe, by the way. Um, I don't even remember. I'm trying to remember his name, but I'm sure if I look him up... Uh, I will see like lots of plaid or not plaid. Um, what's that called? The hunting ship? Camo. Uh, camo. I will see lots of camo and, um, and probably a Confederate, Confederate flag. Lots of Jesus quotes, I'm sure. Um, Jesus. I also, I went to a Catholic school when this happened. Like I was in Catholic school when this happened. Um, so, uh, fast forward to going to like half sleepaway camp, there was a counselor who had frosted tips and a hairy chest. And I remember watching him come out of the lake and just like watching all the water glisten on his body and being like, this is interesting. I'm very much enjoying this moment here and not understanding why. I was like, my eyes are drawn to him. Why are my eyes so drawn to him? Um, And then uh, the next time I remember even acknowledging that was, uh, it was very similar. We got the internet. And uh I started internet. Yeah, it's the fucking internet's fault. Um, I started to look at porn probably when I was like twelve or thirteen. Um we got AOL and I started to look at porn and I was looking at the guys more than the girls and then eventually i made my way oh so it started as an armpit fetish because i remember this it started very much as like a hairy armpit fetish and so a lot of my search history was looking for hairy armpits which wouldn't send up any red flags because like my parents would just be like oh my god
0: i looked up treasure trail that's what it was that's how i found the the soapy men Ah. because I was like treasure trail and I was like nude men because I'm like nude that's what you call it in art Mm. so like that's innocuous see I didn't even have the language for it I was just like
1: hairy armpits and I kept Ah. getting like I would uh, the first couple of searches would like I would get back a woman with hairy armpits and then eventually you put in hairy armpits men and not only were they the right like were they the right search term to return what I was looking for? But it brought me right to porn specifically. Um, and I remember it was Bad Puppy, who I think still exists. Oh my God, Bad Puppy. I don't know how, yeah. because Bad Puppy today, I think, is very twinky and hairless. But I remember back uh-huh. then, and it was probably the same guy who was on Soapy, Soapy Men or whatever the fuck it's called. Probably
0: was, now that I think about it. It was a
1: guy who was definitely in a position where he looked like he was in the shower. Um and he was like soaping up his body. Mm-hmm. So, um that was the next time i remember it, but i still didn't acknowledge it myself. Um i was definitely in denial about it. I had sex with a woman after that. Well, a you know, a girl, a woman, whatever, a girl my age, and it was after after a lot of like sexual experiences with her that i had um i had like i wouldn't call it a wet dream, it was definitely like it was more like an emotional dream. Um, where I was... So I'm in this room. The room is all white with white couches and seated on... Um, and the couches are only so big to fit... Like, they're love seats, basically. Mm-hmm. So they only fit two people. And so all of these couples that were from my high school were all seated on the couch. And so I basically went down the row. And then when it got to me, I was on the love seat with Ethan Embry from Empire Records. And... We were and I was rubbing his crotch like I remember he was wearing tidy whities and I was rubbing his crotch and then I woke up and I called my friend the one who I was having sex with basically and I told her about this dream and she said maybe you're by and it was a very like it was a very supportive reaction. But I think she was the first person that I talked to about being gay. Hmm. Um, I also had a friend from church who um who i kind of not kind of i bullied him i definitely bullied him mm. be, out of fear of being exposed for being gay myself and um but he still remained my friend which is interesting is who who do you think it is nobody you know you've never met this person. oh oh okay this is I, all this is all pre college like
0: no i thought it was the the person whose bully you were no oh never mind
1: um I mean, I was his bully, but you are thinking of you are probably thinking of someone else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so I definitely had conversations with him, but those conversations I wanted to lead to like sexual exploration, mm. which they never did, which was a bummer. Um, Can take the lead, n- I guess not. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was me realizing I was gay, basically. Um, and then there was there was a time where I think when I was like fourteen or fifteen. I was trying to like reprogram myself by jerking off to uh, pictures of vaginas, Mm. which didn't work. I also had a I had a wet dream about a giant vagina. It was it must have been like a. Um, it must've been like, you know, bad programming or whatever. Cause it only happened the one time. Dirty computer. Um, it was a very interesting dream. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I don't have a, an aversion to vaginas.
0: I mean, and like, ugh, I, ugh, I just I associated. People, that was not my aversion to vaginas. I have an aversion to aversions with vagina. Yeah, yeah it's so I, get, I get it.
1: Ugh. Um, I mean, I, I, I think they're lovely. Um, but, um, it was just it was it was an odd mm-hmm. thing. And I remember going to school the next day and like being really excited to tell my friends that I had a dream about a vagina because I was like, <laughs> it must mean that I'm straight. Like, it must mean that what I'm doing is working. Like, I dreamed of pussy. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, again, I just don't you, have like, an aversion. Yeah. Into
0: school like, hey, everybody.
1: Oh, I told the story on what would to like five or six people when, on what would be considered the quad, and I almost hit someone while I was telling it because I was describing how big the vagina was,
0: oh my and so God. my
1: arms. I was like trying to de- trying to demonstrate how big it was with my arms, and I almost hit someone in the face. It's like
0: that John Leguizamo skit when yes, he's like exactly that crawling into the German woman's vagina. Yes, like, exactly that. Jesus Christ,
1: that was ex- exactly it. Wow. <sighs> Um who was the first who was the first person that you because I feel like we all come out to more than one person the, for the first time, but
0: what's the time
1: you remember
0: i've been thinking about this all day uh-huh and i can't i can't exactly remember uh-huh but because the thing is that i mean it it was definitely like in college because i didn't um, or maybe it was high school. I remember I asked a girl out in high school it was my best friend and she laughed at the thought because she was like, no, we're friends. Like, it's not that I wouldn't date you, but like, we're friends. And she's like, and I don't think you actually want to date me. And I was so like, hurt by that. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, yeah, just be friends. But I I think it was in college, mm. actually. And I think I was like, oh my God, it was my best I think it was Tiffany, my best friend. I think that was mm-hmm. the first person that I, like, it was, like, an official thing. Mm-hmm. I forget how it happened. I think it might have happened in the darkroom in photography class. Because mm-hmm. um, I was helping her, like, adjust um exposure or something, and I told her. And she was like, oh, cool. I mean, and then we fell out, because I realized that, like, she was in love with me, and it was just, like, many, many years later. Yeah. Um. But that's the exhausting part. It's not, like, thinking of, for me anyway, the story. It's the fact that, like, there are so many people that you have to tell or rather like you feel it has to be this announcement. Yeah. You know, like I remember when I told my, my coworkers at my former job, it was like, like we were all chatting like everybody had gone home from the day for the day and i was like well you know and i was like oh and they were like oh okay like the least exciting news possible right like right that is okay well whatever you know um you know what was great
1: is that i so i was the co-president of the well i, I was very active with the um the um the queer group at my college, but I actually actually had like, uh, like a position mm-hmm. in it for several of the, like for a couple of the years that I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so I put that on my resume and now I don't have to come out at work because mm-hmm. I'm already doing it before I get the job. Mm-hmm. So, which is what I loved about this particular job. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since one of my coworkers, uh, looked me up on Facebook and was like, "Oh, it's just like cool, like mm-hmm. quirky queer kid." Yeah, and I was like, "Yep." Oh, and, and
0: then your boss found your uh, your blog entry about having a dream about Obama. Oh my god!
1: So... He really—that's uh, not who I was talking about, but my boss definitely went in. So I, yeah, I, had I, a, I, I had a sex dream about Obama, and I didn't understand. And this is this is a lot of my life. I didn't understand that I was sexually attracted to Barack Obama. Um, we miss you. Uh, but um, I have this sex dream, and I was like, you know what? I would do it for my country. I mean, I, w- I would do it for a, a pack of, you know, Pringles or whatever, or a pack of chips. No, that's not the right language. But anyway, I wouldn't do it for very much because chips? Barack is a very handsome man. He is a very handsome um, man. But I didn't understand that I was attracted to him until I had that sex dream. Really and so years. I, um, I wrote about it. And it was also around the time... No, it wasn't around the time of his reelection because that would have been very timely. But it wasn't. No. Um. But uh, my first, the first person I came out to, and this isn't the taxing part. The taxing part comes when talking about coming out to my parents. Um, But the first person I remember coming out to, like officially, because I definitely straddled the, like I held on to the title of bisexual for a very long time. Yes, a very long time. Hmm. I basically just like didn't address it. I came out as bisexual when I was like or not even came out, I acknowledged bisexuality as a thing that I acknowledged mm-hmm. <laughs> Um when I was like 14 mm-hmm. or something. And then I just didn't think about it again until I was like 16. And the person I came out to was my best friend, Marlene. And I basically, I remember the whole experience because I was like, I need to tell you something very important. We need to sit alone in your room. Um, Because in high school, it used to be so... We would hang out at Marlene's house every Friday, and it was always Marlene, myself, and Stephanie. And I basically was like, Stephanie can't be here for this. I don't want her to be here for this. So we basically sent her out of the room, which was kind of fucked up now that I'm thinking about it. She was that Um, friend. Look, I'm going to be very honest with you. I think I met Stephanie. I'm going to keep it very, very funky. I never liked Stephanie, and I never will. And that's that. Um, wow. But Marlene and she I... She didn't know you felt that way. Well, but she was an asshole, and she continues to be one today. At least... I, you've told me if my If, if my, um, if my uh, missing invitation to Marlene's uh, bridal shower is any oh, indication... Oh, that was her? Oh, that was her. Uh. Not to get too much into it, but Marlene's mother was even like, "Um, where is Robert?
0: I thought it was Marlene's family that was like, no. this gay boy doesn't belong here. No, Marlene's family would have called me first. They would
1: have had me plan the bridal shower. Mm. But I think because Marlene's, I mean, probably because like, you know, the bridal shower is the, um, the best, wait, nope, wrong one, the maid of honor. The maid the of honor
0: throws
1: the, ba- the, the baby shit. The bridal, shower, <laughs> the bridal shower is the job of the maid of honor. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie was Marlene's maid of honor, mm. much to her Sounds more like matron dismay. of honor to me. I mean, anyway, enough shit talking about Stephanie. Um, but I remember being like, <laughs> I have something really important to tell you. And I started crying. And she was like, oh, my God, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And then I was like, I have to tell you that I'm gay. And she was like, oh, that's it? And, you know, she was expecting, like, a bigger mm-hmm. thing. And she basically was like, yeah, I've known for a while. I was just waiting for you to tell me and, mm-hmm. you know, blah, bitty, blah, 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 yeah. So um, it's also interesting because Marlene was the first girl that showed interest in me. I remember I was in like the eighth grade and or maybe I was in the seventh grade and I went to a dance with a bunch of like eighth graders or maybe they were ninth graders and there was a girl there dressed up like she was from the 70s for some reason. And it was Marlene and she asked me to dance.
0: Oh, so didn't
1: you go to prom together? We did. Mm hmm. We did, and we made it in the local newspaper. All in blue, I think. I think I've seen the photo. Yeah. Um, I wore a blue cummerbund, and it matched her blue dress.
0: So it's very cute. That. It was very cute. That's funny. I um, We were an attractive couple. I you were. God <laughs> almighty. Do you see what I married... <laughs> um it's funny because i have like some you know where you gather people like i think the other memorable experience well the the other thing that would drive me crazy and it's one of the re- things that like stopped me i think from coming out and it's a stupid reason is that as a, a man in the in, like uh studying art history or working in the arts that is like it's just an assumption people make or used to anyway. Mm. And I remember there's this one girl that I was in art history class with and like she didn't even matter because she was a business major. So like I didn't have, like I was like, I'm not interested in you. Like, you know, you're taking all these other classes. Like I want to be friends with the people who are like, you know, doing what I do because that would just make it more fun. Mm Because I like, I was one of a few people at my school because it was a business school. Mm -hmm. Um, And she would be like, so like you gay? And I'm like, Well, why are you asking? Well, because you're, you know, you're studying the arts. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, and how dare you assume that? I'm like, that's horrendous. Mm. And I like she would ask and ask and for about three years. And then I remember it wasn't until my my junior, which is when I was taking photography and and came out to like my first friend in college Mm -hmm. about it um and she found out she's like i knew it and i'm like great do you want an award yeah i'm like you guessed it i go but do you think i was gonna like tell you because you assumed because i was in the arts i go do you know how many men work in the arts and are not gay and she looked at me and she goes that's impossible because the arts are only for fags oh and i looked at her and i said well then i guess business is just for hags because you're ugly wow and i turned around and left Wow, sassy even then. Because, like, it just really got to me, and I don't like using the word hag for women. I just don't, you know, like that. But you did that day. But I did that day, and that's <laughs> literally been the only, I think, yeah, the only time I've ever, you know, used it. Because hmm. I, I think, like, fag hag, I think, is just awful. Um... But yeah, I remember when I was studying abroad in Paris, it was my birthday, and we were all celebrating on like the quad in between our two dorms, and we had like gathered together whatever we could to eat, and I was just like, everybody, you know, I just have to say, I'm gay. Wow. It was really ridiculous. And then, of course, everybody was like, oh my god, this is amazing, let's go to Banana Bar, I think it was, or like but it was something banana like that they, they were oh. or like buddha bar um in paris and i was just like eh. Cause like, damn, they wanted to throw
1: you a coming out party. Well, you didn't no, even know because
0: the thing was, I was like, God, because like at that time, like this was 2005, right? So none of us had a smartphone. Like, and and in Paris, the train stopped at a certain time, and to get a taxi was impossible. And we were all new to the city, so I was like, ladies, let's think about this very logically. How the fuck are we getting home? Mm. And they were like, Oh, let's just put on music, and that's what we did. We like danced like in this little area for a little bit and then you know did nothing but paris was the first place where i bought my first dirty magazine and dirty set of playing cards like in broad daylight at a newsstand and i was like here's a few euros i put them in the plastic bag or paper bag went back to my dorm and you know and i was so scared about bringing them home that like as i was packing i just tossed them and i still regret it Hmm. i wish i kept them
1: I remember the first time I bought porn, I actually wasn't buying it myself. I gave my friend money, Mm -hmm. and he bought it for me at Tower Records. Mm. And it was... um, I don't remember the name of the video, but the men in it were sinfully ugly. I mean... It was a... um, it was definitely not anything that I was interested in at all, uh, but it was the first time that I watched two men have sex, make remember, love.
0: Do you remember when we subscribed to Manhandle when Ooh. we first got cable? Do you remember when we had to call the
1: cable company and we were like, please, it? can
0: you just, <laughs> this is, and, and it was just like, this channel's just bad. Like, conveyor belt porn? That was just, no. I don't remember any of it. No, it was poorly lit. Um, yeah, anyway, just like, let's try something new. Let's,
1: like, pay for it um i wasn't done with my porn story but um so i bought this video the men were sinfully ugly i watched it one time and then i put it under my bed and then a couple weeks later i checked under my bed to be like hey remember that porn i bought let's see if it's still there and it was gone along with like a couple of other odd things that Mm -hmm. i kept under there so who knows what my mom did with them because it was definitely my mother who found them i will tell you that right now and they never
0: suspected that you were and they
1: never suspected that i was gay this is kind of like that. I'm just holding it for a friend. Yeah, but she never asked me. So white. Yeah, like terribly. Yeah. See through. Yeah,
0: practically. Yeah.
1: Um, do we want to take a break and then talk about coming out to our family, or do you want to jump right into that? Let's now? just jump right into it. I mean, oh. should I go first since I have the long show. one? Go ahead. Um. So I was rehearsing for a play at school and there was a kid who had come out to his parents um at uh like summer camp or something and he was like he told the story and just like he just he seemed a lot lighter like in terms of his demeanor Mm -hmm. when he came back because he he basically he told the story about how he wrote his parents a letter from summer camp and they um they i don't think they responded but when they came to pick him up they gave him a big hug and were like of course we support you and we love you and all this stuff and so that inspired me to come out to my parents. So I rushed home that night from rehearsal and I didn't, I wasn't able to do it. Um, and also my parents were like downsizing. So they had, um, they had gone from this like regular like dining room set, That where the like the chairs were like at a regular height to this like little like cafe table with with like bar stools. So they were physically taller than I was when I walked in the room, and that just really like unnerved me. And so I didn't come out to them then, um, but I I was like, no, this cannot be the end of this. Like I can't just you know walk away from this now. So I went up to my room and I wrote them a letter, and then I printed out um a frequently asked question sheet from the uh what was it Pflag like Pflag has a FAQ section mm-hmm. uh of their website that is like printable so i printed that stapled it to the letter <laughs> and then put it in an envelope uh and addressed it to my parents um and then uh that the next morning before i left for school i left it on the um i left it on the dining room table in the kitchen and so i had my i was 17 at the time so i had my driver's license so i didn't have to get a ride from one of my parents i just left um and i drove home um i think i had i either had rehearsal that day or i had or i was going to go hang out at a i I had a friend who was like come over and hang out with me because i know you're going to drive yourself crazy just thinking about it so i drove home Before my parents got home from work that day and the letter had been opened, So I was like, "Okay, somebody read it. So like even if just one of them reads it, that's fine. Um, But uh, I was like, I can't be home when like one of them comes home because I want to talk to both of them Mm -hmm. at the same time. So I then drove back to my house and saw that my dad was home, but not my mom. So came back again later finally come home when they're both home and i remember i walked in and like they were watching the news or something in the living room and my parents don't really like they weren't the type to have like bad posture when they were sitting and they were both just kind of like slumped over in their chairs like someone had died and i walked in and i was like so did you read my letter and they both just looked up immediately and was like this is a joke right you're joking right And I was like, no, it's definitely not a joke. And I just remember, I don't remember exactly what was said because I was trying so hard to not cry in front of them. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where it's like it gets taxing. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, my parents are not those people um, anymore today, thankfully they have absolutely come around and it's helped me, you know, it's, it's been me being insistent that like they see me be gay. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't just, that they just they can 't just have the information they have to see me in a relationship they have to see what this looks like, what it means for mm. them to have a gay son it needs to, to it needs to look like that. drag I had to be a fucking well no me dressing in drag was something that came much later, and you know I could give i mean you that know this a big milestone
0: though too though
1: it wasn 't that big of a milestone it was sort of a um it was sort of an afterthought mm. but um It took me being really militant about being gay Mm -hmm. in order for my parents to actually come around. Um, But it was a big struggle. Um, And so but back to that day, um, they were convinced, at least my father was convinced that it was that I was gay because I was heavy and didn't and I wasn't I wasn't attracting the attention of women. So that convinced me to be gay. Also, I was hanging out with a bunch of gay people duh, because I was gay and seeking out like my own people. Um, and uh, what were some of the other things? Oh, so I guess my dad's first like first thing he did was he called a therapist and was trying to like, I guess either. I don't know if he was trying to set up an appointment because nothing ever came of it. Um, but he he told me by the time I got home that he had checked with two different therapists and that being gay was not... Um, it was either like... He either said it wasn't normal or it wasn't something that was just like a thing that existed that they couldn't do anything about. Like it was something that could it be wasn't changed. It was nature. Right. Yeah. Something to that effect. Not with that language though. Um, and so I said to him that that's not true. That if I could change... Like I've already tried to change it and it didn't work. And I'm telling you this now because... I'm a senior in high school. I'm going to leave for college. I don't want to leave here without you guys having this piece of information about me. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad was just like, I don't understand. They also I remember they asked me if I was going to start dressing differently, um, which I didn't really understand either. Like they thought I was going to start dressing like a woman, which I didn't get. Um, And then my dad said something to the effect of like, "Um, I don't tell all of my coworkers. I'm a man. I'm a man. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, why are you, why, why are you connecting being heterosexual with being a man? Does that mean that because I'm gay, I'm a woman? That doesn't make any sense. And so it was basically like, just like a really, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just, I remember them talking at me and feeling really defeated, but mm-hmm. I was like, they will not see me cry. And so when I was basically like, is this, are we done talking? I went up to my room and I scream cried in my room. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit if they heard me at that point. I just didn't want them to see me do it. And um, I basically uh, for the rest of my senior year of high school, I used my parents like I remember I used to forge permission slips for um, for field trips that didn't exist so that I could steal money from them. Um, I just I basically did like. Not terrible things, but I was like... You were taking you, it
0: out, taking... I was
1: taking it out on them yeah. in any way I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was part of a, um, a, gr- a group for uh, LGBT teens. And one of the counselors there was like, well, there's this great book for you know mothers who are struggling to accept their son. Um, and we can lend it to you. You just have to bring it back. And I remember I brought it to my mom and I, I gave it to her and she was like, why are you bringing me this? And and I expect, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I expected better from my mom. My father, I mean, I, I knew it was going to take a while for my dad to kind of get into it. But um, because my father had to quit school at 13 and basically support his family because that's when my grandfather died Mm -hmm. um so i just i i expected there to be more pushback from my dad my mother is a college graduate who is a social worker and i just expected her to sort of like understand it on some level or have some kind of like intellectual understanding of what being gay means and how like it doesn't really mean that i'm now a woman essentially like on on the most basic level strange
0: like place to go I've never understood that
1: it's not that strange especially being uh, coming from a Hispanic family and machismo being such a heavy thing mm. which also was never forced it was never like it was never one of those things that was forced upon me growing up so it's still a little confusing um, but I gave my mom this book and, uh, and she was like I don't need this it, you know this is insulting you think that um, that uh, you know I, I know what this is I don't need to read a book to find out what this is and, and I, I remember there was a social worker right, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, I have a feeling my mother was a terrible social worker, but anyway there's that's that's not really relevant um but uh the next time I saw that book, it was on the floor in her closet, mm. and my mother was not the type to have things on the floor unless they were like shoes, so I took it and brought it back to the center that I got it from before she like ripped it. You know, it was, it was just a very irrational time for my parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that like part of that had to do with them coming to terms with my sexuality. But I just don't understand, like, I will never understand the, like the way, the (laughs) fact that they were like, something is wrong with my son, like the fact that they reacted so quickly to being like, oh, there's something wrong with our son. Mm -hmm. When like, I mean, I guess when I think about, uh, having been obese my whole life, they've been reacting that same way every time there was like a, a moment where it's like oh he's too fat right now mm. we need to do something about it there was like a quick and um there was, was a like quick a call to action quick and irrational reaction to yeah. everything as it came up so um yeah that story's very taxing and it continued to be taxing when i um when i went, when I went, to, when I went away to college there were a lot of arguments when I would come home because I was basically like using my parents as a laundromat. Um, And uh, it never, like I said, it never really got better until I started dating. And when they, you know, I remember the first time that they met my, when they met my first boyfriend, they had such a hard time with the fact, like we were, um, I guess we were holding hands under the table, but we were doing it. Like I made sure that we did it in such a way that nobody noticed. And I guess they noticed and that made them very uncomfortable, Mm. Um, which maybe in hindsight we shouldn't have done. Um, There were a lot of arguments where I remember telling my dad, like, you better fucking get on board or you're going to see a lot less of me. Mm. And, um, and then, you know, the, I feel like when the fucking, like when the clouds parted, and the sun finally came out was when they met Daniel. Like that was basically, <laughs> I'm not kidding.
0: I, I, because well, I, you
1: I, met a version of my father that did not exist until that very day. My father was a shitty person and you brought something out in him. I don't know what it is.
0: It's funny because as much of a rain cloud as I am... <laughs> ninety nine percent of the time believe it or not um I mean I would be
1: lying if I didn't say that because i my first boyfriend was was white, and
0: yeah that never goes well they
1: never i mean my my parents never met anyone other than my first boyfriend, so he was white, and I did not really enjoy the way that he spoke to his mom and um I don't know there were just there were things about him there was like a level of privilege that i don't i think my parents It was going to be difficult for my parents to accept me dating a man, but then also dating a man who had so many like...
0: Conflicting values. Yes. Yeah.
1: Very obvious and conflicting values. And so before I met Daniel, I purposely set out to meet someone who spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. Like that was the bare minimum. I was like, they have to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're not going to survive.
0: Well, and I, I, I think it's one of those things that like leading up to meeting your parents... I w- and you know, I'd said this before, Robert was my first and only boyfriend because I was like, this is good. I'm happy. I just was not interested in like exploring other things at that time. Um, so I was, cause I got it like that, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I really cared. <laughs> I was, care for I was you. kidding. You didn't Fuck need to you. react to that. You didn't need to react to that. um, <laughs> um I, no, I, I just, yeah, I settled that, you know, it was just like there. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, listen. Kidding. No, I know. I'm, I'm kidding too. No, I, I really, I really do love Robert sometimes. Um, but, uh, I was really scared and I got on that little $3 bus to the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really ready for your dad to just be like, hmm, the whole time, like, hmm. You I mean, know? that's kind
1: of how my dad is now. Well, with you, but he's not angry, but it's a different, it's like a familiar, it's comfort grumpy. Well,
0: cause your dad is okay. Cause I know when your dad puts on the like, mm-hmm. mm, we're here cause my wife's me here. And then, you know, he starts like taking his, um, his phone off of his shorts and it's like, Ines, we have to go. It's late. We have to go. And I'm like, where are you going? You're retired. <laughs> like. And then, of course, we're like, okay, we got to go too, because we're kind of retired when we're in Florida anyway. Um, but your dad was very lively and we had like jokes by the end of dinner. Um, and I, I think that it's those, not that like you have to be involved with somebody who's of your same culture or race, no, like net, that, that's not a, a requirement. And it's not something that I knew that I wanted or, cause I, or feel comfortable with, cause I always kind of like, I had an aversion to other Hispanic people Mm -hmm. because I was always by like school counselors and stuff like that. Always encouraged to like mix, you know, and like be with your kind, you know, the Brown kind. And Mm. so I, um, I was always like against that. So when I started dating or was like, I'm going to throw myself out there. I was like, I'm not going to focus on any one type of person. Cause like, I mean, there's such a beautiful variety of people. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I,
1: I I'm pretty sure one of the first questions I asked you when we started talking uh, before we started dating was, do you speak Spanish?
0: Yes, because it was. There yes. was,
1: a, there was absolutely a checklist mm-hmm. and that was the, at the top of the checklist. Yeah. I was not entertaining suitors if they
0: did not speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And like, i like, I don't, but I can, if you like, um, <laughs> and you know, everybody should speak Spanish. That's just that you should be bilingual. It's more valuable. Um, but, um, or some other language, just pick one. Um, I just, I saw my family,
1: speak spanish as a form of excluding my first boyfriend absolutely and i didn't want to put up with that anymore Babe, the world
0: excluded your first boyfriend well Let's okay be F- fair fair point i have a I, oddly enough i have a very strange history with robert's ex-boyfriend and that i went to high school with his sister so i met him when he was very young and it was a lot of the same mm. um but um yeah i thought your parents are great they were very welcoming um your mother was sneaky though baiting baiting me with the inappropriate conversations your mother loves to do that she loves <sighs> yeah. to do that and i think she does it because she sees how uncomfortable it makes your dad and me and you yeah like and i'm just like well am i gonna tell your mother to shut up and you'd be like why why did you tell? why did you and i'm like but your mom like I, i'll be rude um you just i
1: think that you you take the bait a little too fast
0: like a little too quick of course i do um i mean i'm my mother's son after all and
1: that's that's the the, i think that's truly the uncomfortable part is mm -hmm. that someone else would like push it off push it off push it off and then finally when it was like okay you're being relentless let's talk about blowjobs like that see
0: but you know how i am i'm very much like here it is like, I don't, I know to be inappropriate, but it's like,
1: I know, but I wouldn't be all here. Like I am, I am probably like 20 or 30 times more comfortable with your dad than I ever have been with my own mm-hmm. father. And I would never, ever feel so comfortable as to talk about sex with your dad. Well, And you've seen
0: the shit that we talk about.
1: I have. Like, and you're like, <gasps> I mean, I also know that your dad doesn't really, um, your dad doesn't have a good poker face. So I know that I could say something like, you know. Um, analingus and it would just like it would it would mm-hmm. send him you know send him flying in the other direction without much like that's the thing is that like, like I, it, there would be I an can, aversion I can unnerve your father very easily like mm. do you remember when so Daniel's father was our witness at our wedding and he came back to our apartment with us when all everything was said and done and we just we really wanted a moment alone and his dad was not only here like yes we were grateful for his presence but he was like very, like, physically imposing with everything he was doing. And so um, Nicki Minaj had just released uh, The Pink oh Print, God. I think it was. No, not The Pink Print. The one before that. Um, um, the, whatever. Whatever. Her second album. And there was a song on it where she talked about dick in your face, dick in your face, whatever. And so I put it on and was, like, singing along. And, yeah, and your dad was very much, like, <gasps> like, he was very, he was, like, uncomfortable with it at first but then i like played the song again and again and again and eventually he thought it was funny he still hums it uh yeah dick. i bet he
0: asked he's like what's that dick in your face song
1: <laughs> but that's like to me that's the clear difference between my dad and well my parents Ooh, excuse me i would say my parents and your dad mm-hmm. is that your dad was always more understanding and he was always coming at this from a perspective of like that's my son and there's gonna be there's like way too much stuff left for him to do in this world, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to give up on him yet
0: i mean i'm I'm also very much like i i would never say that i've I've told my father in the past like get on board, but I've just been very firm and like no, we are not playing this game today, and it never had i actually haven't told my story yet, but um it's always been a very much like no, this is how we're going to do this. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. So it's. Um... Well, we're sort of running long. So why don't we take a
1: break and then when we come back. You'll tell your story. I
0: segment all to myself.
1: Not a whole segment. Oh, don't fuck. get too excited. <sighs> all right. So um, Daniel's going to tell his coming out story and then we have some listener questions. So stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free, and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip, and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. Okay, we're back. And I'm still gay.
1: And Daniel is still gay. Very. And shocker, so am I. Um, It's just gotten
0: worse. You were getting
1: ready to tell, um, I doubt it could get more intense. Uh, Oh, it's a coming. You were about to tell your coming out story to your dad.
0: So, well, this is like a two parter, which is weird. Because it was like a a few steps to my dad, but I'll make it quick. So as I said before on the podcast, my mom passed away a while ago. She passed away in uh, February of 2009 and um, I never got to come out to her. And which is, which is probably my, the, the, the one thing I regret, but I kind of offset that by the fact that I got to spend so much time with her. Um, but it still makes me very sad. Um, so I don't like to talk about that too much. But, um, after she passed away, it was just my, my father, brother, and I, and I, I kind of felt like I was left with two frat boys because. Like I'm a caregiver, and my mom and I kept shit together, and you know that's how it worked, and but it was always the four of us. There was this very um like uh, unified front, and so thing and and I honestly feel that that is what kind of got us the three of us together through my mom passing away, through me coming out through me moving out. And my dad, you know, finding, um, someone else and, you know, or, or rather, you know, starting a relationship again. So I feel like that, that has kind of been the most important thing, I think, because it, we, even though like there are moments where I want to kill each of them respectively, and I'm sure it's, you know, the feelings mutual, it's kept us together through all of this. Um, but it, it wasn't, it was about a year and a half of, of, um, it was very dark. It wasn't, um, I really wasn't talking to a lot of people and, um, I had people forcing me to go out to just kind of get out of the house and, you know, other than going to work and my coworkers were amazing. And, um, I was very happy that I had come out to my coworkers and my friends because it just made everything easier. Oddly enough, it, 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 it made things more fun in light of what had just happened. Um, but I remember I, um, I went out to dinner with my mom's best friend in, august of 2010 and um i was like so how'd you come out and he's like well i did this that and the other and he's like he looked me dead in the face and was like okay so how are you gonna come out and i was like (gasps) literally like clutching my pearls and i was like he's like ah well there you go and i was like and i look at my go why do we think they're so smart when i he goes daniel he goes listen this is not like to be you know, patronizing, but it's like we have all known like, and this man had known me for uh, over twelve years at that point, like since I was little. Your version of him makes him seem like he's Philip
1: Seymour Hoffman. I think that's very funny because he's it, very much not. It's Philip
0: changed. <laughs> it's changed a lot. Like it has changed significantly, yeah, over the years. But um, I and and so my mom's friend Orlando was very um. um. Important to me, like, the first few years after I came out, um, because it was just very supportive, you know, and he got, like, all of the... And again, being Puerto Rican and Hispanic himself, he understood this, like, clinginess that your parents have over you, you know, when you come from... um, an ethnic household and um, this idea of the family unit. And it's kind of like, fine, you can be gay, like whatever you want, but where are you going? Why are you out late? How come you're leaving the house? You know, it, it, that's, that's where the issues are. And so I remember the first night, that, that night, he's like, all right, let's go to, like, we went to Posh and Vlada and the Ritz. And he's like, okay, what type of guy do you like? And I was like, oh, just redheads, hairy redheads. Okay. So now we know. And it was just a very interesting evening. And then a few months after that, I was at work <laughs> and I was like, just stewing. Cause I'm like, how can I go home again and not tell him this? Like, day in day out day in day out like my dad would pick me up from work every day because it was on his way home so it was like i i didn't like know how to tell him and i convinced myself that he was gonna be livid you know and be super upset and i remember one day like there was nobody in the office and i just said this is it i'm gonna tell him now so i called him (laughs) and i had already told my brother. Um, like that Halloween, cause I just got like blackout drunk and didn't come home till the morning, a whole big thing. And my brother was very upset cause he's like, how come you didn't tell me? Like, or like, I didn't, I don't care. Like, it would have been great to know. Dealt with that. So anyway. My sister had a similar reaction. Yeah. And my brother was just like, If you're going to go out to a gay bar, he goes, tell me, we can tell dad something else because he's worried because he thinks you're going out and like doing all sorts of shit to yourself because you're depressed Mm. because that was my dad's fear. He was like, he's disappearing. He's probably telling me he's with Orlando and he's not. And like he's doing drugs, drinking to just numb the pain. I was just numb the pain by crying at home into a pillow. But anyway, so I, I call my dad. I'm like, hey, you know, da, da, da. and I go through this whole drawn out thing where I'm like, hey, so you know, how I hang out with like mom's best friend, mm-hmm. and what is he? Oh, he's he's he said he works at a gallery, and I go, no, 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 like let's get you know, uh, okay, well he's gay, so what? And I go, yeah, and so if he's gay, he has a lot of my dad goes clothes and you've all heard the story about my dad thinking Robert and I needed a blood test for children when we got married. So this fits if you've been listening, okay? <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, dad, yes." And I go and I was like, "And I have a lot of clothes, right?" And he's like, "Uh-huh." Cuz I was just riding the wave at this point. And I go, "So, you know, how like I go out with Orlando, like and we yeah, yeah, you you go to the bar. You know you like you go, you go have a drink." And I'm like, "Uh-huh. So if Orlando is going to a gay bar and i because i just did not know how to like with my dad it's always like kind of getting him to meet you at that place because uh-huh. i feel like you have to kind of have to start that thinking with yeah. him yeah otherwise it's like too much of anything really mm-hmm. so and it was this thing, and i was like uh-huh uh-huh and he's like well you know like gay people are fun to hang out with like you know and i'm like yes but i hang out with them because i am oh oh you gay. Oh, okay. That was what I was petrified about for years. That's what I was worrying about. And it was... My dad and I had had like fights and fights and fights, but it had never had anything to do about me being gay. I mean, he had said things about, you know, gay people in the past. And he admitted to me that he was just angry because I wouldn't say anything. Mm. Like everybody was just like waiting. Cause they were like, he's going to be miserable. Like he's not going out. He's not dating anybody. Cause Mm -hmm. the whole thing was like, so are you dating anybody? So are you dating anybody From my grandparents? Oh, I'm busy. I'm in school. My mom's like, you know, I just want you to know I love you if you date a boy or a girl or it doesn't matter as long as you're healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. And I always was like, I, you know, going back to it, I'm not going to give that up. Nope, 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 nope. You know, like mm-hmm. always on my terms. Right. And I never what makes me sad is that I didn't see that the acceptance was staring me right in the face for the better part of my life. And so that um, I and I feel like it's even stupid to complain about it because you know, people struggle. People have very bad experiences, you know, when they come out for a lot of people. So I feel like I have nothing to complain about. But mm. um, it, it's more like I could kick myself because I had like the golden ticket. You know, this is like what Like, I mean, not not to romanticize it, because I'm sure it would have been bumpy because my dad, you know, when we first started dating was like, well, you know, you got to get tested because like, what if you get AIDS? You know, like, but it was more like a be safe. But he didn't know how to say that type of thing yeah so anyway that was the cool thing about your dad
1: though is that we would go through these weird periods where he would be like a piece of shit but he would like adjust very quickly and very easily Mm -hmm. because like i said in the beginning he was always motivated by the fact that like you were his son Mm -hmm. and he was not going to lose touch with you yeah if he needed to adjust he was going to adjust Mm -hmm. like that was the cool part to me about the relationship. I mean, it still is the cool thing about the, Mm -hmm. it's the thing I love about your dad is that like, no matter what he was like, I'm not, I'm not losing this relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it felt at all with my, like, whereas my parents were always like financially
0: available, Mm -hmm.
1: the emotions were always super stingy. Yeah. And, um,
0: yeah it was my dad could not be generous with his wallet so he tried with other
1: other methods i mean Um, yeah i mean he's sort of been generous in different areas i mean he just i i feel it's it's weird because i i sort of feel a little disoriented not having my dad be the person i go to with questions about like buying a car Mm -hmm. for example which is something we just did with your dad and having i will be honest as annoying as your dad was that day having him there was really helpful and it made me feel a lot Mm -hmm. better about the decision we were making because i was terrified Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that um those sort of unexpected moments come more often with your dad than like we give him credit for maybe yeah i mean
0: it's um it's been very rough trying like getting to this part and Mm -hmm. um yeah. I, yeah. I mean, having lost one parent <laughs> and missing out on, on things that I could have said or whatever, um, it makes me value him more even when I'm angry with him. Cause yeah. like, and, and I think we have a very strange relationship cause I'll be like, shut the fuck up and let me like, you know, have a second. Like, uh, and, and this is, you know, now years down the road. Um, you have more of a sibling relationship with it's your dad. So, than- it, it is. And, and it is taxing sometimes. And, but you know, it, like i said there is just something there that i'm very happy that's there yeah um because i don't i honestly don't know what i would do without it um but yeah it and it's just taken a lot of work it's taken a lot of work uh beyond the gay thing that was like the least of of all the things and i'm i'm kind of happy that it was because i would have hated for something as um because for me, at that point, I realized that coming out was just something I needed to get out of the way. Yeah, and realize that nobody actually cares, and if they do care, then they don't belong in your life. Exactly. And and it, and if they care so much that they keep on acting like a jackass and don't come around, then they really don't belong in your life. Right. You know. So people do take some time to come around, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that my dad has always been so um, malleable. And I think it's like you said he he sees. Again, you know, the the we've lost one person. There there's been a lot of loss and a lot of stress. And um after my mom passed away, the three of us were kind of just left on our own and um it you know, it affected us very deeply. So we just had each other. Um but it's I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade all of that for the world because then it wouldn't mean as much. Yeah. Ah, sorry. So yeah,
1: I'm getting emotional. Mhm. Understandable. And then so. a few
0: years later, he shows up at our apartment and puts my pads in my pantyhose.
1: Yeah, and reads me because of my wig line. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like I said, I feel like I <laughs> I got I got the parent I got the parent I needed but wasn't expecting in your dad, which has mm. been great. Um, and you know, very appropriate for us to make this uh um this uh discovery or not discovery, this like episode or no, discussion to like to come to this conclusion or whatever you want to call it realization ah, there it is ah. only took like eight words yeah, um it uh it's very appropriate that we are doing this before father's day mm-hmm. because we can show our appreciation to mm-hmm. your dad on father's day yeah and it doesn't have to just by putting cyanide in what we make
0: no i'm wow. just kidding I'm just it doesn't kidding. Ju- I'm just kidding. i'll put it in his home brewing kit i'm just kidding. um and it doesn't have to be your like biological father and no. it's just i feel like whoever you see as a figure just celebrate them yeah you know, because you know, and if you don't have one yet, find try and find one. Yeah, family's family. Yes,
1: like so. However you, however that, however that comes together for you, mm-hmm. you know,
0: make it happen. Make it happen.
1: Um, we have two listener questions, and I think that we're gonna try and like answer them quickly because, yeah, you know, I mean
0: they're. Only one is really a question.
1: Yes. So so the first one is from Anderson, and he really enjoyed us talking about Pose. He actually enjoyed it himself, um, and he was wondering if we would be
0: reviewing the episodes.
1: Um, I don't think we're going to review them. I think we're just going to, like, when something cool happens, we'll tell you how we felt about it. I mean,
0: if they're gag-worthy moments. I am loving,
1: I'm definitely loving, loving, loving the show, Mm -hmm. so you're definitely going to hear about it. Um, and, um, he was one of the other wonderful people who wrote in and said that we're not negative when we talk about drag race, um, that, uh, people who say we're too negative just aren't listening. Um, and that we are the most reasonable recap out there along with all right, Mary. So, um, there you go
0: reasonable that's yes. not
1: something i've ever been called in my entire life very true i wouldn't call myself reasonable no. now either but thank, thank you, you for, Anderson. thank you for that blessing um and then the last thing on here <laughs> is he asked he asks if um we had any thoughts on the bots that were rating the miscongeniality congeniality poll um you know, I have to be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about this because on one on one hand, I am thinking like whoever set this up for the Vixen to win, like good for them for doing it because mm-hmm. it was working. Um, but on the other hand, I am someone who values fairness. And this is a poll from the fans and the whole the, the rest of the competition is all set up you know, and as being like, mm-hmm. you know, ev- everything is being manipulated with like puppet strings behind the scenes. So this is the one part where it can actually be somewhat fair. Mm-hmm. So that bothered me, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? The Vixen got a raw deal. If she wins Miss Congeniality, I'll be fine with it. That's where I was. How mm-hmm. did you feel about it?
0: Um, I, I remember when I was like, these millions of I'm like, R- Drag Race doesn't even have that much of a viewership, like tens of millions. Like even if people are hitting like vixen 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 repeatedly,
1: more people fucking voted for miscongeniality than did in the fucking election. Yeah, like so in the presidential election.
0: And I love like, I love the vixen, the vixen. I think you're super talented, but girl, we all know she was not congenial. If she had been congenial, that would have cheapened who she was. I think. I think that it's like
1: well, that's not her personality. It's not
0: her personality. Con- congenial. I don't even like the word congenial because it kind of means like. Grin and bear it through everything, you know, whereas I would, I think it should be misgracious. <laughs> Cause, you know, you, you just maintain. You know you're calm under pressure, and you still show up and show out in in spite of everything. Mm-hmm. You know that's what I think. Miss conge- mis- gracious should be. Mm. Um, I think it's fucked up that they did that. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Maybe VH1 should not just have it be a web page that you go to and click. There should be a captcha. I'm sure that's not hard to put in. Right. So stupid bots. I actually think the public has no right to crown a miscongeniality because we were not on set with these people. I think at all. the cast should vote for it. I think the cast should vote for it. And wouldn't that be interesting if it was the cast that did vote for it? Because I'd be very interested to see who they picked. Well,
1: my, the, my source is I know me nothing that that's what ended up happening. Well, but know, you'll just I'm,
0: have to wait. I'm pretending like I know nothing, and I don't know who it is, so we're all just going to have to watch the finale, huh? We're
1: going we're gonna to have to wait another week. Or the reunion. Wait, do we find out at the finale? No, it was or the... at the reunion. I think it's... No, I think we find, they... out, we find out at the finale because... Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. It oh, is oh, 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 oh,
0: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway,
1: you'll have to wait until then. Mm-hmm. But,
0: yeah. Um, so our next... Um, this is more like uh, an entry. Um, a, from, diary a diary entry. A diary entry from Dr. J. Um, who the writes, basketball
1: player? Who? <laughs> Dr. J, the basketball player? I have no, no idea. No? Okay,
0: move on. You're talking sports. Um Bye. So Dr. J writes... Hello, Grizzly Kiki. I've been listening to your podcast for most two years now, but have gone back and listened to every episode since the beginning. I came out a bit later in life at age 28 as I grew up in an area of the South where it didn't feel safe for me to be out for a very long time. After moving to California for a few years, I was first introduced to drag culture and began learning about mo- began learning more about the history of drag and the leadership of drag queens of the past and present within the LGBT community. Today, I serve as an instructor for a doctoral qualitative research class within an educational research program at a southern university part of my research has focused on the experiences of lgbtqia students in k-12 settings from an academic perspective i cannot stress how important your podcast is i have found interest in narrative inquiry as a method for understanding individual human experiences and your podcast is a wonderful wonderful experience of narrative inquiry in practice so then he says uh, he asks us if we've um, considered documenting our efforts in writing um, and that he thinks that we should consider writing a book because um, our um, la, 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 writing a book about our experiences of interviewing drag queens across the country, because it could be a book that highlights different forms of drag or how it's evolved in different regions of the US or just you know i guess transcribe the stories um so that they can uh, be read and kind of held on to and be accessed um so then so thank you for that dr j i don't i don't know if we will write a book um but i as 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 somebody who really comes at this from kind of an academic perspective um and this whole like oral history bent that i i really love about what we do that sounds very tempting um so i don't know
1: maybe i don't i don't know what's coming up i need to think about it more because i feel like the more i think about it we didn't set out to write a book when we started this so it mm-hmm. sort of feels exploitative for us to just start writing one without the consent of oh there all would the people be so much paperwork involved and yeah. we'd also
0: have to send them all out to be transcribed right because i i hate transcribing uh oral histories i i did it for a semester in college and it's very difficult. It's definitely something that I am thinking about, though, mm-hmm. thanks
1: to your suggestion.
0: I mean, we don't, I don't think that we need permission to send them out to a transcription service, but to publish chunks of it mm-hmm. other than, you know, because we, we get their permission to, um, in their participation and knowing that this is airing, the permission is implicit, but right. we have to get explicit permission to do the other stuff. Right. So, right. Anyway, um, so then, Doctor J also writes. On a side note, I've listened to RuPaul's What's the Tea for a long time now, and I now too, and I used to feel that RuPaul's podcast was valuable in documenting drag stories in the same vein as your podcast. Unfortunately, it seems it seems her fame and the nebulous ego she refers to on a regular basis has grown. She has chosen <clears throat> to not center the voices of those that have made her show famous, instead focusing on C-rated celebrities that have the most boring stories to share. Over the past few months, I tend to catch an episode here and there in the hopes that Rue and Michelle have circled back to what made their show entertaining in the first place, but alas, I feel that they are only focused on folks that can advance their status in Hollywood. <clears throat> Keep up the <laughs> tremendous work, and I wish Grizzly Kiki many more ma- many more years of trailblazing Dr. J. Girl. Girl. A hearty girl. Geez. That was... I. There has to be a term. Uh, some other queer historian probably knows this better than me between a compliment. I've never... That was been, a shady compliment. I have never been... No, but I've never been complimented and not shaded about myself at the same time. Mm. We were complimented and somebody else got the shade. I don't know what you call that. Not that it makes me happy that, you know, like, I'm like, hey, she shaded, you know, uh, RuPaul. It's just... That was so coming from an academic. I approve that because that was a very logical explanation.
1: I don't know what you'd call it, but I know that the reaction should be a
0: and, a, and the thing a, is, I've never heard it put so like so clearly. My like these are my feelings. It's it's funny put down in writing.
1: This is the second time today that I've heard someone talk about RuPaul's interview style, which you know, as long as her and Michelle have been working together to interview people, it should have been, it, sh- it should have just naturally refined itself to a place where it's enviable, like their style mm-hmm. is enviable. But uh, there is a constant... Um, and this is like dissecting the way they do interviews at this point and even their relationship, like Michelle and Bruce relationship. Um, there's definitely there's an uneven
0: balance. There's there. definitely
1: an uneven balance. RuPaul is definitely the Beyonce there and Michelle is well, Michelle, um, ah! And um, not even Kelly. So um, and RuPaul reminds her of that. The thing that the, it's it's not like this is not shading toward Michelle, because I think Michelle on her own is really good at interviewing people. And we sort of see that in what you pack in. Although I will say that this last episode with Miss Cracker, I thought that. Michelle was doing a lot of she was like pulling a lot of the same stunts that RuPaul does when she interviews people Um, I think that RuPaul is constantly pushing a narrative and I think that's where uh, like she has already come up with a narrative in her head but it does not at all match the actual narrative that will come from the interview Mm -hmm. which doesn't really work. Um, and it's interesting uh, they talked about on the most their most recent episode, they talked about Elsa Clinch and how she had a very interesting way of interviewing people where she would ask a very banal question, like, "Do pants even matter?" And that would give the um, the interviewee who was in the fashion world a chance to talk about their own creations. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do that they're basically like, so you 're a terrible mother, right? but like being a mother's hard, right and this that and the other and it's they're they're constantly like i said they're pushing a narrative that's already been written but has nothing to do with the person they're talking about so um that's definitely something that i've noticed and i've heard you know quite a few people talk about recently um but um i'm not gonna lie to you rupaul's a scorpio so she'll understand this when i say it it felt fucking good to hear that our work meant more to someone than theirs i
0: i mean yes I mean, I think we need to get back into interviewing people. Absolutely. we haven't done that in a while. And it's just been, for whatever reason, we haven't. And you know um, what? It's
1: coming. But I will say to you this. We have given a lot of thought as to what our content is going to be like once Drag Race season is over. And I like I like being able to express my thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. once a week. As opposed to giving someone else a platform. Which is what mm-hmm. we've been doing since the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: which is so nice. I, th- I think, you know, RuPaul done fucked up Grizzly Kiki. Um, <laughs> and no, honestly, it was, it was that, like, the, these two seasons came back to back. So, like, it was just too much. And then it was just, like, overload. Like. Right. And that's going like, to be the norm I, from I, now like on. Like, I can't, I can't do a recap. I mean, not that we have to do recaps at all, but. Whatever, like you can't do a recap and then also interview a drag queen because it's, it's just there, there's a lot. It's like a, it's emotionally taxing.
1: And it's also gotten to a point where it's no longer conducive to recapping. Um, and my example for that is the fact that um, so we're recording this on Wednesday even though it's coming out on a Mm -hmm. Friday. And the episode of Drag Race that is going to air tomorrow night, which is Thursday, is the final four. Mm -hmm. And so the expectation is that these four girls then have to battle it out, supposedly, until there are three left. The problem with that is the finale and the reunion were already filmed, and it's all over the Internet that the four girls that were left are the four girls that are still competing Mm -hmm. as of the finale. Those just are the like four girls. Year. Just like last year, are the ones that are competing. So it doesn't I, I make mean, any sense. And at this point, I mean, it's if we were releasing this episode today, it would be a spoiler. But by the mm-hmm. time it comes out, you will know it's this information. Just spoiled. It's just you know it's whatever. But my point with that is, um, recapping tomorrow night's episode is going to be a waste of our time, and we could we could be out, you know, doing something more enriching than staying home and fucking recapping this episode because it's a joke at this point Mm -hmm. this next episode means nothing it is basically stuff that they've already filmed and they have to release on television probably because they're contractually obligated to do so so silly but if this is the um, if this is the road that Drag Race is going to continue going down for the next few years I don't see this show lasting much longer and I don't want our show, the show. No, I mean oh, drag, drag race. race. Yes, yes, yes. It I should, don't see. Much. I don't see the show lasting. I think someone said they don't see it going past season twelve, and that even seems too long.
0: See, the the thing is, and is is not a drag race recap, but it's um. I used to look forward to it as like the Super Bowl. It was like all this anticipation, anticipation, you know? And then I was like, ooh, All-Stars, cool. Let's see, you know, the girls that we love come back. And then you know, season three happened. Cause girl, season three was a mess. Okay. Season three of All-Stars. Season three of All-Stars was a fucking hot boo-boo, just mess, 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 mess. mess Cause you could see right through it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was disappointing. And season 10 has been great. I, I have, I've enjoyed the girls. Like, but you always enjoy the girls. I always enjoy on the girls. On some level, I you do. always enjoy. And that—that that is the only thing that keeps me excited about it. Yeah, they it. are the
1: saving grace. That's
0: it. Because I—I I used to be excited about the whole thing as a, as a thing, yeah. as a cultural thing. But now it's in the hands of VH1. And again, good for whoever gets on Drag Race. I wish every drag queen could, you know, in the world could get on Drag Race. Yeah. Right. So for that, just keep it around. Yeah. But they need to reinject and and not not just sporadically. They need to just re-inject some humanity into the show in general. Mm. You know, because it's going to be entertaining no matter what. Because the girls are entertaining. Right. So there's no need for fuckery. Right. Drama will create itself. And if there is none, then we get to see talent. Hey, what's wrong with that? Right. Like Shade and all and Kiki, that's great. But it's more fun like when you go to a good drag show to enjoy the show. You don't want to see the two hosts fighting in a corner. That's not fun. Right. You know, because then you know what you're going to get is a shitty performance because they're both angry with each other. Right. So anyway, I mean, that's that. I don't know where that was going, but, you know, I just I sort of it's at this stage. It sort of feels like they've
1: already done everything to surprise us. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's left. And I don't like any of the like any of the the possible combinations that I could come up with on my own. I don't like what they would do to the girls. Mm -hmm. I and mean, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Without the queens that come on the show, the show would be nothing yeah. so I mean, I mean, that's you what have Dr. J to point out right, and they don't prioritize them, and that's part mm-hmm. of the reason why I have such a hard time with what the show has turned into because they're not prioritizing the feelings or even the artistry of these girls uh-huh. of these girls so um and,
0: and I honestly have to say I find like i mean we've only seen <laughs> like. You know, one episode of Drag Race Thailand, um, but it's the one that mirrors our Drag Race the most because it's yeah. a copy of it. You know, it's, it's, it's the same structure. And I felt something different in the way that the, you know, Art Aria and, um, and Pangina interacted with them. Like it was a, uh, it was cutting and biting, but it didn't feel put on. Like it was very honest and it wasn't about them. It was about the, co- it was just, it felt very genuine, you know, and even the Switch, which is taxing. It's kind of fun to see the girls like sitting on a sofa chatting and being like, you know, having a kiki.
1: I mean, the one great thing I will say about the switch is that every episode you see the girls performing. Yes. And that's not true about Drag Race. Mm -hmm. It's only it's typically only like if it is an acting challenge or if it's a singing challenge, because if it's just like three looks, that's all you get. And like looks are great, but I want to see you lip sync. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to lip sync for your life, but like they need to put that, that is sort of like the cornerstone of drag. They need to find a way to fit that into the show where it does not come Mm -hmm. as, um as the like negative consequence to doing poorly in the challenge Mm -hmm.
0: well because it's like well if you're a queen nowadays oh lip syncing is beneath you like what no that's not true i'm saying that is that's like if we're if we're thinking really deeply about it that's kind of what i feel like that conveys because like you said lip syncing is a penalty oh wow you have to do what you've basically been doing for your job this whole time but it's because you were bad. Right. That's not good. Like if you think about it very deep, that's not right. good. Whereas like on the switch, everything is singing or lip syncing or performing. Right. It is true to the art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they should have to do a lip syncing challenge all the time. Cause it's kind of boring to just see these girls doing an acting challenge or like, I don't know what else they do. I don't know. Walk around yeah. in the dark. For they all should I know, do, but. they
1: should basically do what they do at the finale. Mm hmm. Well, what they did at the finale last year, Spin and what's supposedly going to happen at the finale this year, I'm asking so like
0: so much more entertaining. To a drag? Su- oh, a drag suicide would be amazing. I love no. drag suicides. I like hate doing them, but watching them is a lot of fun because it really
1: puts you to the fucking test. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know these words? Mm-hmm. Do you know these songs? She most didn't of you don't know
0: the words.
1: Most of you don't, Valentina. Mm. um well that brings us to the end of our episode thank you so much for joining us again um and uh yeah we're grizzly kiki on everything so uh follow us that means facebook twitter and instagram hit that follow button
0: (laughs) you can send your your your, you can send your questions you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read yours on the air
1: and don't forget to subscribe On iTunes.
0: So until next time. Si es polla, tiene que que ser ser bueno. bueno.